text for approximation of the Lord's Word is taken from John chapter 21, verses 15 through to 22. Let us read those words once again. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you want. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Let's pray. At the proclamation of the Lord's word, we will sing from hymn 61. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, clearly our text this afternoon follows on the heels of the previous event. As our text begins with, when they had finished breakfast. You see, the Lord Jesus had just taught his disciples and through them, all Christians, that they could only be true followers of the Lord Jesus, be true witnesses of him and his gospel of salvation as he was about to send them out into the world if they, first of all, not only confess him to be Lord of all, Lord of their entire life, but also confess him as the host of their lives, the one who supplies for them generously, which they must receive with believing hearts. You know, when you go visit a house, the host tries to make you feel comfortable in their house and tries to supply everything you stand in need of. And so the Lord Jesus has and will supply for our every need as host. And disciples, and through them all Christians, must learn that they can fully and completely rely on him. They were to constantly eat and drink from his broken body and shed blood, and so be nourished and strengthened in the faith, as illustrated in the eating of the bread and the fish, which the Lord Jesus gave at breakfast time in order to be living and faithful witnesses of the gospel. Now, while the previous episode has a message of its own, it also sets the stage for what happens next. The Lord Jesus, while teaching all the disciples and all his followers, the Lord Jesus also has a special message for Peter. Indeed, in our text, all focus seems to be on Peter being reinstated into office. Peter is a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and will soon also be among the apostles of the Lord Jesus, who will be sent out to preach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ once the Holy Spirit has been poured out on Pentecost. He too will be among those who will lay the foundation stones of the New Testament church. Now it can be said, since Peter is to be reinstated into a special office, that it may be more appropriate to preach this text in a time of installation of office bearers, of new office bearers. However, as you know from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 12, question and answer 32, we having become Christ followers, Christ confessors, we have also taken on the name Christian. And thus we also have the same offices as our Lord Jesus Christ. We too are prophet, priest, and king. And so we have what we call the office of all believers as Christians. We share in Christ as prophet, priest, and king. We profess his name. As priests, we live a living life of sacrifice for him. And as kings, we fight against sin, the devil, and our own flesh. The Lord has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light of salvation. And having called us out of darkness, he now wants us to share that light of his salvation. The light of the love of God and Jesus Christ that is now in our lives, in our hearts, to others around about us, particularly to those whom the Lord places on our paths. And he also wants us to care for one another's salvation, to uphold and assist one another, and so also be shining lights to the world around about us, how we live as brothers and sisters in Christ. That is how the Lord wants us to follow him, having restored and reconciled us to the Father through his shed blood on the cross. And so as we examine the reinstatement or the restoration of Peter as a special disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are reminded of our re reinstatement and restoration of once again becoming children of a heavenly father adopted in the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ shed on Golgotha. Christ having bought us with his precious blood now also lays a call on our lives to follow him all the days of our lives until death does us part from this life. And so brother and sister I may proclaim to you the word of God as follows. In confronting Peter the Lord Jesus also teaches us what it means to follow him. Now we'll see four points. First of all, sin must be addressed. Secondly, the church must have our concern. Thirdly, there will be crosses on our paths. And fourthly, each will follow him in their own genuine way. So first of all, in confronting Peter, the Lord Jesus also teaches us what it means to follow him. Sin must be addressed. Now, some would argue that the issue here is not at all about Peter being reinstated into the discipleship of the Lord Jesus Christ. For they would have us note that the Lord Jesus had already appeared to Peter privately, even before the Lord Jesus appeared to all the other disciples on the day of the resurrection. Further, Luke 24, verse 34. 24, the eleven disciples and others with them exclaimed to the two men who, who were on the road from Emmaus, they exclaimed, 
The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Evidently, it was very important, of great importance to the other disciples, that the Lord Jesus had first appeared to Simon Peter before all the other disciples. To them, it must have meant that although Peter had denied the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus seemed to have made everything all right between Peter and the Lord Jesus. Further, we know that in John 20, verse 21, the Lord Jesus appeared to, when the Lord Jesus appeared to all the disciples, including Peter, on the evening of the day of the resurrection, the Lord Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Could the Lord Jesus make such a statement? Peace be with you. I am sending you with Peter among them? If the relationship between the Lord Jesus and Peter was not yet straightened out? For the Lord Jesus has always been quite upfront, forthright, and was not afraid to expose sin for what it is. Thus it is said by some that the issue is not really so much reinstatement, but setting the criteria necessary for an office in the Lord, particularly for the special office in Christ's church, but also for the office that we all hold as Christians, the office of all believers, namely the criteria of self-denial, a total denial of oneself, a deep commitment of wanting to serve the Lord and Him alone, of wanting to love Him with all our heart, soul, and mind and strength. That does seem quite convincing, doesn't it? And yet, it can also be asked, if the Lord Jesus had already forgiven Peter, why then this episode? And which the Lord Jesus appeared to admonish Peter for his threefold denial. After which, upon Peter's confession of repentance, the Lord Jesus invites him to take care of his sheep. Therefore, things could not be entirely well yet between the Lord and Peter. Why? Because, number one, sin had not yet been dealt with. Number two, we must remember that, that Peter had sinned against the Lord not privately, but publicly. He had publicly disgraced the Lord Jesus when he disowned the Lord Jesus three times. And thirdly, forgiveness is a legal position between two parties when the one who forgives no longer holds the sin against him who has offended him. But that does not necessarily mean that the relationship between the two is the same as before. No, damage has been done by sin. And so as we read in Romans 5 verse 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we can see here the Lord Jesus in his heart may well have forgiven Peter, for he had looked over to Peter when Peter had denied him three times, and he saw how Peter was broken in heart. And we know from Scripture, Psalm 51, that those who are contrite of heart, the Lord does forgive. Yet while sin may be forgiven, it will yet take time to restore the relationship. So also an office bearer who has fallen into sin will need to step down from his office. And if he can be truly sorry for his sin and confess his sin and seek forgiveness and be forgiven. But the restoration to office is not automatic. In fact, it's highly unadvisable. 
Notably, the Lord Jesus appears to go back to the beginning as he is about to rebuild his relationship with Peter. Remember the beginning of their relationship? The Lord Jesus was one day, one day walking on the shores of the Sea of, of Galilee, and he saw these two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew, fishing, casting out their nets. And the Lord Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately Simon, Peter, and Andrew followed the Lord Jesus. Here in this text, the Lord Jesus again calls Peter to follow him. In fact, twice does the Lord Jesus tell Peter to follow him. The second time, even more emphatically, you must follow me, in verse 22. That's the flavor of the, of the Greek word used in that verse. However, it is important to note that here the Lord Jesus addressed Peter not as Simon Peter or as Peter, but as Simon, son of John. The Lord Jesus did not address him as Peter because Peter means rock. And Peter had failed to live up to that name. He was not solid in his conviction yet. The Lord Jesus, by calling Peter here, Simon, son of John, is pointing Peter to his own limitation, that he was a sinner born of a sinner. And as he will always keep this name, Simon, so he will never have the capacity in himself to rise beyond being a sinner. But a Simon who entrusts himself in a new way to Christ's leadership will become Simon Peter. That is, Simon the rock, from whose witness and leadership Christ can build his church. The Lord Jesus addressed Peter three times. The first time the Lord Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? More than these. That's not a, a reference to the fishing boat and the fishing tackle, for they had just come from fishing. The Lord Jesus is not asking Peter here whether he would give up his job, whether he loves fishing a whole lot more than he loves the Lord Jesus. No, here the Lord is going back to those boastful words that Peter had spoken back in Matthew 26, verse 33. When Peter said, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. That statement indeed indicates that Peter really loved the Lord Jesus, doesn't it? More than all the other disciples, he says. For if all the other disciples would fall away because of Christ's suffering, he swore that he would never fall away. Wouldn't you say that that shows tremendous love for the Lord? However, the problem was that Peter was relying on his own strength. He, Peter was not humble. The Lord Jesus had just pointed out in a miraculous catch of fish that humility, denial of one's own ability, and a reliance on God's power and blessing is absolutely necessary to be in Christ's service. But because Peter boasted in his own strength, he fell. And as the Lord once said, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Peter denied the Lord Jesus even three times because he was afraid of people, 
He did not trust in the Lord's protection enough, but he chose rather to deny the Lord when the pressures got too great for him, when he feared for his own life. But such a person, brothers and sisters, is not a worthy servant. In the service of the Lord Jesus, in the gathering, defending, and preserving of his church, not as an, as an office bearer, and as a, in the office of all believers. Such a person would be a hindrance to the Lord. Such a person has more love for himself than, than for the Lord. This speaks to the office bearers who, who must not succumb to the pressures of family members and, and friends when decisions are made in the consistent room concerning the shepherding of the congregation. This also speaks to all of us as congregation members as we exercise the office of all believers. For Christ has said, he who does not love, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Lord Jesus, having called us out of darkness, the darkness we fell into because of man's haughtiness in paradise, now reinstates us, restored us into a renewed relationship with him and his heavenly father. But this calls for a complete self-denial, a total commitment to love him above all else, above everyone else. The Lord Jesus seeks Peter's total commitment. Otherwise, Peter could not be able to serve him fruitfully. And the Lord Jesus seeks our total commitment. Otherwise, we would not be able to serve him productively. Further, before Jesus can truly be followed and served in a way that is pleasing to the Lord, sin in our lives must be addressed. The Lord Jesus is insistent on this, even to the point that Peter is being hurt when the Lord Jesus asks him the same questions three times. Three times. True repentance can be a very painful matter. Confession of guilt is a painful thing. It hurts to confess sin. It's so embarrassing. It's so humbling. But it is also so very necessary. As Hebrews 12, verse 11 says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And verse 14 says, Without holiness no one will see the Lord. Yes, we must deal with sin in our lives. The sin of not always being totally committed to the Lord. The sin of, of allowing pressures of this world. For example, a desire for a partner in life. Loving that partner more than loving the Lord. To cause us to twist or neglect the holy words of God. Sin in our lives must be addressed if we are to follow the Lord Jesus in a way that will be fruitful and rewarding and God-glorifying. A renewed relationship with the Lord Jesus begins when we face up to the fact that that grieves and contradicts God's holy will in our lives at whatever cost that may be. And then no matter how deep our failures or how deep-seated our shame, the Lord can forgive and renew us. And then he can yet use us in his service when we come before him with humble hearts and confess our sins. And then as the Lord Jesus asked Peter, so he's now also asking each and every one of us, my son, my daughter, do you truly love me more than these? That is, 
more than anyone and anything in his world? What is your answer, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, young people? Let us move to the second point. The church must be our concern. The word love is used seven times in this text. By the Lord Jesus in his questions to Peter and in Peter's answer to the Lord Jesus' question. However, the ESV translation does not capture the two different words for love used here in the original Greek New Testament, namely the words agapio and filio. The Lord Jesus uses agapio in his first two questions to Peter, but not in his third question to Peter. But Peter, however, responds with the word filio consistently. Why would the Lord Jesus use agapio the first two times, but no longer the third time? Well, agapio carries more the sense of total commitment, total self-denial, a self-sacrificial love. And filio carries more the sense of, of fondness, of affection, an embracing love, a brotherly love. So what the Lord Jesus is asking of Peter is a total commitment, a complete self-denial, a sacrificial love for him. But Peter does not use that word for love. Thereby the Lord Jesus sees that Peter has become humble. He no longer boasts of himself. Basically, Peter is saying, Lord, I am no longer able to say that of myself. I am not able to be totally committed to you. I'm not able to deny myself and to sacrifice for you on my own strength, Lord. I tried that once, but I failed you terribly. You see, the Lord Jesus had been merciful to Peter, and he had accepted Peter in the gathering of all the disciples again. But will Peter sin this sin again? Had Peter's heart changed? Was he still going to boast in himself again? He was a leader among the disciples. Or had he learned to boast only in the Lord, in the strength of the Lord? With this answer, Peter the Lord knew that Peter had been humbled and that he would no longer dare to boast in himself. Peter answered that he was very fond of the Lord, that he loved the Lord very deeply. And that he wanted to embrace the Lord Jesus with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the Lord who knows all things knows that. Now the Lord Jesus asked Peter the same question a second time. But this time leaving out more than these. In other words, Peter, are you prepared to commit your whole self to me? Deny yourself completely and so sacrifice your life for me. Not just more than these disciples, but... In everything, do you love me more than people and everything in life? Again, Peter answered the same way. Peter is not prepared to boast in himself anymore. But he loves the Lord Jesus very much. And he's not embarrassed to tell the Lord Jesus that. And then the Lord Jesus asked Peter a third time. But this time the Lord Jesus uses the same word for love that Peter does. Are you fond of me, Peter? Do you, love, do you love me? Do you embrace me as your own? That is basically what the Lord Jesus now asks of Peter. 
Lord Jesus sees that Peter is grieved that he is asked three times to genuinely grieve is a true sign of remorse for one's sin. Peter must have realized with the third question that the Lord Jesus was reflecting on his denial of the Lord Jesus three times. Peter knew that Jesus knows his heart, but that the Lord Jesus asked him three times was so that Peter would remember that awful thing that he had done against his Lord Jesus and show now true remorse, true repentance. Only when there is genuine remorse for sin are we in the position to be useful and diligent servants of our Lord Jesus in his kingdom. Only one who knows himself to be a forgiven sinner can be fruitful in Christ's church. Only one who knows how graciously he has been forgiven can be there in a very positive way for other sinners who are struggling with their sins. And that is true for the special office, offices as office bearers, as well as for the office of all believers. As we are to be there for one another, assisting and encouraging one another. Only those who have come to know themselves as gracious, forgiven sinners will be able to feed Christ's lambs and sheep, take care of Christ's flock in a gentle and yet firm manner, not yielding to the cultural influence of our time, yet able to place themselves in the struggle of the sinner. And Peter, in, in, in answer to Peter's confession that he loves the Lord Jesus with all his heart, soul, and mind, the Lord Jesus told Peter to feed my lambs, tend to or shepherd my sheep, and to feed my sheep. Clearly, the Lord Jesus was concerned not just for Peter's restoration, but also for his church. Christ loves each and every one of us dearly, individually. But he loves his church corporately, altogether. And because his church is one body with many members, we also are to be concerned about one another's salvation. Peter, having come to know Christ's gracious forgiveness, is now to share this wonderful love of God in Christ with the little lambs. Perhaps the Lord Jesus has children in mind for the youth in the congregation. But it can also refer to those who are new to the faith or those who struggle with their faith. With respect to the former, the children, their office bearers are therefore to oversee that parents do bring up their children in accordance to their baptismal vows. That is, raise their children in the fear and love of his name and so instruct them in the doctrines of Holy Scripture and have them instructed therein to the best of their ability. Thus feeding the lambs in the congregation is first of all a parental matter. In the office of all believers, we are first of all to see to it that we raise our households in the fear of the Lord, that we instruct our children well, that we spend time with our children, read with them the Bible, pray with them, and teach them to pray and to do daily devotions. Do we still have time for that today in our busy life? The Lord Jesus then also told Peter to take care of a sheep. That's a reference to shepherding the whole congregation of the Lord. That is, of course, a particular tax, task of office bearers. However, when we exercise the office of all believers well, we can make the work of the office bearers a whole lot lighter and more pleasant. 
if each and every one of us would shepherd our own souls by faithfully doing family devotions and individual devotions and attending Bible societies and submitting ourselves to the regular preaching of God's holy word, then the Spirit of God would cause us to flee from sin and walk increasingly in holiness and godliness. That would make the work of the office bearers a whole lot lighter and more pleasant. And if we would be exercising mutual discipline, according to Matthew 18, with love and compassion, not in self-righteousness and in a haughty manner, and with, without consideration of family and friends, then that would make the work of the office bearers a whole lot lighter and more pleasant. Lord does not only give the care of the congregation to the special offices in the congregation, but it first of all starts with us, with the office of all believers. He who knows himself to be a gracious, forgiven sinner will want to draw out others who struggle in their sin and will also be concerned for his or her salvation. And then the Lord Jesus repeats a third time, feed my sheep. Care for the congregation can only come through the feeding of the lambs, of the sheep, with the faithful preaching and teaching of God's holy word. Care for one another is not pushing our own opinions, our own thoughts, but sitting down with one another, opening up the scriptures together, and humbly and submitting together before God's throne of grace and mercy and prayer. Then Christ's church will be fed and grow. Christ's church is to be of concern to us. We are not to wait on the office bearers to do everything. We are also to do our share while knowing also our limits and our responsibilities. Commitment to Christ involves commitment to the church of Christ. They are one, as head and the body are one. Does the church of Jesus Christ have also your concern, brothers and sisters? First of all, in your own families, but then also in the household of faith? Are you actively cherishing the church, loving her, and doing what you can for her, for the coming of God's glorious kingdom? Let's look at the third point. There will be crosses on our paths. Peter had just confessed that he embraces the Lord Jesus with a sincere love, with love that involves all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, as much as that is humanly possible as a weak sinner. Having done so, the Lord Jesus not only tells him to take up his tasks, to use what he has learned, to shepherd, guide, and to keep others in the faith, but now also prepares Peter that such a confession in Christ will come with a cost. The Lord Jesus prophetically prepares Peter for his eventual martyrdom. Peter will serve his Lord in ripe old age, but in the end, he will die with the hands stretched out, which is a euphemism that is a nice way of saying that Peter will also be crucified. And indeed, the history books tells us that Peter was crucified. But by his own request, he requested that to be crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy to be crucified in the same way as his Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. Now, literally carrying the cross, says the Lord Jesus, will be preceded by an experience. 
in which Peter's self-denial will be totally subdued so that he will be led to where he did not want to go. And brothers, that also applies to each and every one of us who follow the Lord Jesus as office bearers and as congregation members alike. The role to serving the Lord Jesus, whether in the special office of disciples, as Peter and Paul and other disciples experience it, or whether as in the special office of the church today, as, as minister, elder, and deacons experience it, or in the general office of all believers, it will come with a price. There will be a cost. It cannot be otherwise. For the world is evil and unholy, while Christ is holy. And so we who are holy in Christ are likewise to live our lives as set-apart people, holy to the Lord in the service and to His praise and glory. Indeed, it is as the Lord Jesus has taught earlier. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will love it. Will save it. The Christian life is, in this sense, in the words of John Calvin, a continual mortification. That is, we daily and in thousand ways are to die to our self-will and only to do the will of our Heavenly Father. Not I, but Christ, as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians, is the essence of the Christian life. We should also note, brothers and sisters, that the words, follow me, is in the present imperative tense. Excuse me. An English teacher will tell you, Imperative means command. The, the Lord Jesus commands us to follow him. And it's the present imperative tense. That means is, this command is continuous. It's constant. We need to constantly and continually follow him. Not just when we choose to do so. When things are easy for us to do so. But also in those things that we don't like to do. Don't like to give up. But must give up because they are not glorifying to the Lord. The Lord Jesus requires a sacrifice from his office bearers when he calls them to a special office through the election of his holy congregation. There is indeed a sacrifice for them and their families, but they are to do so as to the Lord, for so the Lord is pleased with our following him. He is concerned for his church, and that should also be of concern to us. Will you follow the Lord when he calls us to a special task? And that does not necessarily mean only the special offices as office bearers, but also in other ways we can serve the bride of Christ, the church. When the Lord calls you to follow him and assist his church in a particular function or a particular committee, what is your answer, brothers and sisters? We must be prepared to sacrifice for Christ. Have Christ's concern for his church as a high priority in our life of many concerns. Lord Jesus also requires other sacrifices from us as Christians, as his followers. Becoming a follower of Christ will come with a price. It may mean that you will be mocked and laughed at at work or at school 
or because you will not participate in certain entertainment. However, follow Christ, brothers and sisters. Carry your cross proudly. Be thankful that you can sacrifice for Christ's sake, for he sacrificed far more for your sake. Sacrifices for Christ can span the whole of human life. The entertainment that we attend, the friends we go out with, the partner we choose for life, the study we take on in, in our colleges and universities, the jobs we work at, the things we would like to have but, but cannot because of the spiritual investment in the education of our children stands higher than material possessions and investments. There will be many crosses on our paths. Some will be not too difficult to carry. And it can be very extremely difficult, especially because we're also inclined to compare ourselves to others. And that brings us to the last point. Each will follow him in his own genuine way. Yes, we all have the tendency of comparing ourselves to others, don't we? But doing so most often leads us to despair. The poet Asap also struggled with that in, in Psalm 73. As he compared his struggling life of faithfulness to the Lord with the easy life of the ungodly. Until he went to the house of the Lord. And then he saw again the wonderful and gracious blessings of the Lord on his life. Brother, it's very human of us to compare ourselves with others. Not only with those in the world around about us, but also with our brothers and sisters in church. But Lord Jesus would tell us here that that is so wrong. We are not to compare ourselves with others, but we are to compare ourselves to our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do that, then we will come to this conclusion, that our sacrifices are really so small, and that we are still so very amazingly blessed, even though others may have more. Now, Peter, having received some insight about his future and that it wasn't going to be very rosy for him, he will end up being crucified. Now, he wanted to know about his friend John, the disciple that the Lord Jesus loved. Would John, too, have to make a sacrifice for the Lord? Or was it just him? But the Lord Jesus basically told Peter to mind his own business. That is none of your business, Peter. You just follow me. In fact, the Lord Jesus is very emphatic here now. He uses the word you before following me, which he had not done up to this time. And so the Lord Jesus emphatically says to Peter, you must follow me. In other words, you must not let how I deal with others affect your service for me the way you are to follow me. No matter how I deal with others, you are to follow me willingly and cheerfully. Indeed, the ministry of Peter and John would be quite different. Peter would be more the shepherd, John more the prophet. Peter comes to us as the preacher, while John is more the writer. Peter would die in, in the agony of martyrdom. John will live on to great old age and pass away quietly. The Lord Jesus faces Peter with the reality that there are many others who are on the road with us to eternal glory. But each must follow him in their own genuine way, according to the abilities 
and opportunities and the callings that the Lord lays on our personal lives. Each calling and gifts may be different, and we can thank God for them. And at times, they can also inspire us and encourage us and challenge us. We can learn from them. But in the Lord, in the end, our Lord wants us to focus on Him alone. In the end, our focus must remain on the Lord Jesus Himself. So keep following me, says the Lord Jesus, to each and every one of us. Now, in connection with this, I'm going to tell you a story. I don't often tell stories from, from the pulpit. But this story I found while I was making this sermon a few months ago. It's very fitting to the proclamation of this afternoon. There was a young lady in the congregation that came to the pastor and said to the pastor, Pastor, I don't think I could be a member of this church. I think I'm going to leave this church. The pastor said, I'm sorry to hear that. Why? Well, when I sit in church and hear about the preach, I see so-and-so playing with his cell phone. Seems like he's texting to his girlfriend or somewhere else. You can see the connection a little bit. I see another person who just, as soon as she starts preaching, slouches down on the bench and goes to sleep. I see another boy and girl, they're more focusing on each other than focusing on the preaching. I don't think I could be a member of that church. The pastor said, well... Before you go, will you do one thing for me? She says, sure. What? Okay. I'll give you a cup filled to the rim with water. Will you take it and walk all the way around the pews? I bring it back to me. She said, sure, I can do that. She takes the cup, filled to the rim, walks all the way around. I bring it to the pastor. The pastor asked her, what did you see? She said, Nothing. I was so focused on not spilling any drop. That's what you have to do in church. Focus on the Lord Jesus. Don't look at those all around you. Follow the Lord Jesus according to his will for your life. For the Lord Jesus alone is our master. To him we belong. To him alone we must give account. And so we are to live always ultimately looking to the Lord Jesus. Can you do that too, brothers and sisters? Praise God, because you can when we rely on him by his spirit through his word. Amen.